When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. It's Midday Madness time, so you call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. Anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, jump on that open line, one 736 and we'll get you on across the next couple of hours. That open line, one 736 And it's brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? Heaps to come later in the program. Uh, we'll give a heap of stuff away as well. We've got Signet Boost Power Banks to give away. Mystery Craft Beer Bundles, thanks to Hairy Dog. Uh, $100 Ballers Clubhouse vouchers. And we've also got the opportunity for you to go into the draw to win... A big prize as well. We'll tell you about that a little bit later on. $100 Garmy chicken vouchers. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to join me. Later in the program, we're going to be talking a little bit of draft. Kevin Shifter-Sheehan is joining us later. But uh, in about an hour from now, Cal Toomey, AFL.com's Cal Toomey, to join me. Um, Cal's put out his indicative draft order. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions on the draft. We'll talk some cricket soon as well, by the way, with... A couple of big games being played today. In fact, two today and one essentially tonight. So South Africa, Bangladesh, India, Netherlands, Pakistan and Zimbabwe. All that to come a little bit later on. But there's a big theory doing the rounds in the lead-up to this draft, this AFL draft, that that North Melbourne try to pick one, but they still actually have pick one in their eyes anyway. In fact, North Melbourne have the first two picks still, picks one and two in the upcoming draft in theory. So the number one pick, is Will Ashcroft on almost every AFL club's draft order, we are told. So Will Ashcroft, the best player in this draft. But Brisbane will match any bid for Will Ashcroft, any nomination for Will Ashcroft. They'll actually match that, so they'll get him anyway. They'll get him as their pick one father-son. So North were not going to get Ashcroft for pick one, even if they kept pick one. North had the next pick of players after Ashcroft would pick one. But if North don't want Aaron Cadman, or Aaron Cadman wasn't their next choice, why not trade pick one of the Giants who want Cadman and think, well, North's going to take Cadman. So we desperately need to trade up to pick one to be sure to get our man in Cadman. Maybe North was clever. If Cadman isn't in your top four or five in your order, why not trade pick one and get the two guys you have one and two on your draft order list with essentially picks three and four. So if North want Wardlaw and Sheasel, because they have Wardlaw and Sheasel one and two, they still get Wardlaw and Sheasel and don't need pick one to do it. So 
Is Cabman the second best player in the draft? That's been the big question. Has North done the wrong thing by trading pick one because Cabman's the second best player in the draft behind Ashcroft? Well, maybe not, according to a few judges. Maybe not according to North because they've traded pick one. And certainly not according to AFL draft guru Cal Toomey, who has Cabman the fifth best player in his pecking order. So he thinks that Cabman's fifth best. So that opens up another bizarre question. If North don't have Cabman in their top three or four, and the draft guru, Cal Toomey, doesn't have Cabman in his top four, is there a chance that the Giants will fool everyone and actually not take Cabman? Now they've got North's pick. They might. Could they take Sheasel and Trump North in the end? It's going to be a very intriguing draft night. We'll take a couple of calls. If you reckon North's done the right thing, maybe they have. Maybe they've been very clever in this. The other big question draft night is, is there a responsibility? Is there a responsibility on the Giants with pick one to make Brisbane pay full price for Will Ashcroft? I think they're going to have to go into points deficit if the Giants name Will Ashcroft pick one. They'll have to go into points deficit a little to actually get Ashcroft. So it's going to cost them a hell of a lot more if the Giants name Will Ashcroft than it will cost the Lions if Will Ashcroft ends up being nominated pick two, three, four or five. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you've got a thought on all of that, we'll talk some draft with Cal Toomey later on. Uh, Cal Toomey's draft order, the way he's got it, he's top five. Uh, will Ashcroft pick one, Wardlaw two, Elijah Sardis, who was on breakfast this morning, and Harry Sheasel pick four, and then Aaron Cadman five. The other intriguing part is whether Hawthorne stick it to Geelong later in the draft as well. Ge- Hawthorne has pick six, Geelong has pick seven, Geelong wants Jai Clark. Do Hawthorne, if it's a 50 50, um, take Geelong's guy, Jai Clark, or do they do the right thing by Geelong? I can't see Hawthorne doing the right thing by them myself, but. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe they'll leave Clark on the table for Geelong uh, and not pick him, pick six. There is that opportunity for at least uh, a WA boy, Ruben Yinby, to be taken with the West Coast pick eight. So that should fall into place for the West Coast. A little bit of this draft order is known. I think the West Coast Eagles know that they'll probably get Ruben with pick eight and they get the WA boy. So they don't need to be any higher in the draft to be getting their WA guy and they don't have to move up the draft order to be getting any VIX. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number if you'd like to join me and we'll give away a couple of Signet Boost power banks rated at $59.95. Signet Boost power banks will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. Yes, we'll talk some cricket as well. There's a few coming through on the text talking about the cricket tomorrow night. What does, what does Australia do tomorrow night? Does Finch bat down the order tomorrow night? against England and not open. Uh, if he's going to hit, run a ball, just be an anchor, where is it best to have him? Uh, does Agar stay in? And Zampa comes in and you drop Pat Cummins. Uh, there's a few texts on the text machine as well. Spoke to Jared Whiteley about that just before I came on. Uh, pretty obvious in Jared's eyes that everything stays the same. Uh, Zampa comes in for Agar, but Finch opens the batting. If you've got a thought on that as well, jump on the line. And keep your texts coming through. On the 40 Winks temper text 0433981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Okay, to your calls for Midday Matters. John in Bayswater to kick us off. Welcome to you, John. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just heard from the journalist that 
they're going to cancel Melbourne Cup Week because James Cummings is a bad man. He trains for the Sheiks and the Arabs, and they won't sell oil to the Americans, and they don't allow women to even, you know, drive a car or vote in their country. Yeah, I don't think they'll be cancelling the Melbourne Cup, John, but I appreciate your call. Uh, Daniel and Wallet is a bit of a carryover from what was being discussed earlier. Uh, welcome to you, Daniel. Good day, Dwayne. Um, I'm an AFL lover, mate. Don't get me wrong. I love AFL, but we've got a World Cup soccer starting on in three weeks, and we continue to talk about AFL nonstop. What's the goal this year? Well, we can talk about well, whatever you want to talk about, Daniel. No, I understand that, but you're starting to show off. We're talking about trades and, and pick one, pick two. We should start to show off with with the soccer starting in in, in three weeks. Australia, our national country, in the World Cup. The biggest yep. event in the world. And yep. we're talking about our NFL, so it's November, mate. Let's move on You can talk about whatever you like, Daniel. That's what Midday Madness is all about. Uh, the cricket's on. We'll be talking about the cricket. We've been talking about the cricket a lot. The T20, we talked about Finch for two hours yesterday and took calls and texts for two hours yesterday. So the World Cup cricket is big. There's still a lot of football AFL listeners, Daniel, that would prefer to talk AFL on this program than... Soccer, but it doesn't mean I don't want to talk soccer. That's the beauty of Midday Madness, Daniel. You call, you get on. As I say at the opening of the show, every day, anything in the world you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on. So talk me through the FIFA World Cup then, Daniel. How are we going to go? Let's talk about it. No, we're going to struggle. No doubt about that. We'll be against the big European national countries. But even with this, um, the boy, um, all these guys that are doing all the... Um, the Australian video that's coming kind of guys protesting with the human yep. rights, etc. If they're so serious about it, why don't they just boycott? And not go, don't you think, Daniel. And not, you think, yeah. Well, if they're so serious about it, why don't they boycott? They won't do that, will they? Because they're not going to make big money from FIFA Australia, big money for off FIFA you know, to enter in the World Cup. Well, it's the don't individual's choice as well, Daniel. An individual can choose not to go. The country... Our country has chosen to go, but there is still... You, you, you're your own person, Daniel. If you don't want to go, then you don't go. Then you can make that choice. No, no, no. Yeah, that's fair enough. I just don't think the, the soccer room will not go. I, I reckon, I personally believe they've been forced to do this video that's out now of their protesting as human rights, etc. That's just what my opinion now, what I believe. Daniel, appreciate your call, and uh, great to have you on the program. Call about soccer any time you like. Who's going to win it then before you go? Uh, Brazil, France, uh, I think England's up there amongst the favourites as well. I think we've lost him. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 if you'd like to join me. A uh, of coming through. Should the Lions force the Giants to pay full price? Yes, the Lions have to force the um, they have to pay full price. It's up to the Giants though. If they don't want to draft, they don't want to name Will Ashcroft as pick one, then they don't have to. The onus isn't on them to do it. But the trouble is, it's going to be a bit of a free kick for the Lions if none of the top three draft picks called out is Will Ashcroft because essentially they'll have to use a hell of a lot less points to get him. We'll take a break. Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue, by the way. Wrong fuel extraction. Search up shipcreek.com.au. It's Midday Madness on Dwayne's World. Mark in Oakley, I know you want to talk Pat Cummins. We'll come to you after the break and straight back to your calls. Great to have you, company. Thank you.
Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Grab out your calls and your texts for Midday Madness. Uh, Dwayne, tell Daniel no one gives two hoots about soccer. Uh, well, I think we do. It, and if you want to call about it, that's the beauty of Midday Madness. You can call about it. Uh, where has Geelong said they want Clark? Dan, well, they haven't told the world they want Jai Clark, but they have traded up the draft order to give us an indication that they might like the, the opportunity to grab Clark if he's still there. But Hawthorne might take him first. Another one here. Uh, what is Pipe talking about? Why would Hawthorne have to do the right thing by Geelong? They don't. That's what I'm saying. They don't have to do the right thing by Geelong. They might take Jai Clark, the pick before Geelong. But there is a list of Victorians, at least, in that draft order that you're probably going to be pretty happy regardless of who you get, even if it's not Jai Clark that Geelong get who's from Geelong. I mean, Bailey Humphrey, um, Harry Sheasel, uh, George Wardlaw, all of these guys are Victorian. So whoever does drop down to Geelong's pick, which is pick seven, they should be pretty happy about as well. Back to your calls though, in fact I'll read a heap of your texts out as well Hey Dwayne, i got tickets to the MCG for Australia-England game tomorrow night and I'm getting very worried that the rain is going to ruin the game. Uh, I hope I can see a ball or two. Cheers Anthony uh, in Deanside. I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting if rain does uh, come down on that game tomorrow night. Aaron in Broadmeadows wants to talk some cricket. Welcome to you Aaron. Hello. Yeah, you're on the air, Aaron. Welcome to you. Uh, hello. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting call to not play any T20 World Cup matches at Marvel Stadium, especially when you consider how vulnerable terrain 2020 cricket is. Well, it would have been a beautiful thing to watch it at Marvel Stadium last night. We would have got two great games of entertaining cricket. That, that game between Ireland and England was getting to a perfect finish. And then we had to just uh, toss the covers on and say, see you later, boys. Congratulations, Ireland. We all wanted to see that one finished, didn't we, Aaron? Absolutely. I was, I was there, actually. It was really, really exciting. And then the rain came, and, uh, and then there was hours of waiting for the rain to stop, and it just never stopped. And then t- tomorrow, we've got more rain forecast, though. The, uh, Afghanistan's playing Ireland tomorrow. That would have, been, would have been awesome to watch at Marvel, but now there's a huge chance of it's going to be washed out again at, at the MCG. Yeah, I can get England and Australia playing at the MCG. I understand that because you would think you would get more than the 50,000 that Marvel can fit as a capacity for that. But maybe I'll be wrong on that as well. But, you know, to, to, to think that we could have played England and Ireland at Marvel. But the AFL owns Marvel. Maybe it's the home of cricket, the MCG. So maybe they didn't want to do that. But right now, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. Hold the line, Darren. Oh, sorry, um, Aaron. Got something for you. You've got a Signet Boost Power Bank valid at fifty nine ninety five. Signet Boost Power Banks will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty four seven. Yeah, in hindsight, it does make a bit of sense right now. Darren on the road. Welcome to you, Darren. Are you there, Darren? You got us. Yes. How you going, Brian? Yeah, good to have you. Um, thanks for taking the call. Just, um, just following up from one of the callers earlier who was talking about Godolphin, I just think the hypocrisy of um, what's happened over the last month or you know, last couple of weeks with the Netball Australia speaking out, I just think the politics and, and, and the sportsmen are really sort of um, muddying the water, so to speak. 
I really think the Socceroos need to become relevant in the World Cup before a statement like that can be sort of have any impact. Um, you know, if they don't make the quarterfinals or they get blown out, does this really carry any weight? Um, that's, you know, it's just an opinion. I just think that there's so many countries that, that, that things are happening that are different to what's happening in Australia. If we're going to stand on our dig, maybe we need to stand on our dig about what happens here in our own country. Um, we're not correct of, you know, any uh, human rights violations as well. Um, you know, uh, history sort of says that. But anyway, I just think the Socceroos have put themselves in a, in a pretty uh, ordinary position by coming out with this statement. Um, you know, if anything, going to Qatar in the first place was, that's probably something we should all be protesting the way that FIFA actually chose it. Um, cost us $30 million to try and get it for, for us, and yet we were shafted in the end, and now we're going to talk about human rights. I just think it's uh, hypocritical. But anyway, thanks for giving me the opportunity to have my say, Brian. Yeah, Darren, I appreciate your call. Uh, we've got something for you as well, a Signet Boost Power Bank as well. Um, to be honest, everyone's got a right to do what they want to do, what they believe is right for them. Um, Australia chose to have a team go to play in the World Cup, but it's still an individual player's right to not go if they don't want to go. So if you feel that strongly about anything, you've got the choice to not play. Now, netball's been in a situation where they've had a choice to make as well, and the netball players themselves have had a choice to make. I think we are in a world where players do want to have a voice on their the issues that are strong to them, and... I get that. I get that 100%. Mark in Oakley, welcome to you, Mark. I think you've got me on a delay there, Mark. Uh, welcome to you. You want to talk Pat Cummins and the Australian cricket team for tomorrow night. Welcome to you. Hi, how are you going? Good. Um, I wanted to speak about Pat Cummins. Now, I know this, uh, this whole cricket conversation has probably been done to death at the moment, but... I'm not sure how Pat Cummins is actually in the side for T20 cricket because he lacks um, subtle uh, deception um, in his bowling technique where he doesn't swing the ball, he doesn't have a great slower ball or a, or a, um, a deceptive ball. T cricket, T20 cricket is all about um, deceiving the batsman from a bowler's point of view or if you can swing the ball. And Pat Cummins does neither. He bowls on a length, and that length is getting smashed everywhere. And no one doubts Pat Cummins' credentials as a test cricketer or a 50-over bowler. That's fine. But T20, he's definitely not in our best 11. We need to put in a bowler who has the ability to swing the ball, like Mitchell Stark. That's why he's so effective in this form of the game, because he actually can do something with the ball. Pat Cummins does not have those tricks. Unfortunately, great guy, great leader, but not a great T20 bowler. So, why do you think he's in the team then, Mark? If if you if you, is it because of his leadership? Is it because of it, he's our guy? A bit like Aaron Finch is yeah. our leader. If it wasn't for the fact that he was captain, he might not be in the eleven either. Is Pat Cummins in the eleven partly because yeah. of his greatness as a leader for this team in general? Even though he's not the captain and he's the leader of our Test team. Absolutely. He's there, I think, simply because of his leadership. And and when you talk about Aaron Finch, I think the other night spoke volumes. You know, his, his own outward 
um, frustration and reactions for every one of us to see with his inability to middle the ball sort of said to me a bit of a cry for help. Hey, maybe look, maybe it is time that I'm not in this Australian team because I'm more of a, a hindrance rather than an asset, which he's been in the past. So for mine, Finch goes, Cummings goes, Green to the top of the order and opens, and maybe bring in Richardson, who has that guile and that deception, like as a bowler, and can actually swing it to deceive these batsmen, because otherwise we're no hope. If we keep pulling out these same guys, and as I said, Pat Cummings is unbelievable cricketer, but just not in this form of cricket. So what about Green in, he opens, Cummins out, doesn't play, so Green bowls and he opens. And let's face it, that's what he was doing um, in the preliminary games as well. They brought him in to trial him as an opener. So they obviously believe he's capable of being an opener in this T20. Otherwise, you wouldn't have the practice games with him doing that and bowling. And then Finch bats down the order. Would that work? I'm not sure Green, as well, is the greatest T20 bowler. Again, he doesn't really swing it, and he doesn't really have a great slower or deception sort of uh, ball. Finch, I just see him at the top of the order. Like, that's where he's done his, all his damage. I think he's wasted if we played him in the middle order. I think mm. Green can open. Uh, Richardson comes in as a bowler, um, and then we go from there. Even, like... Maxwell or Wade could captain that team easily. They're good enough. They've played enough T20 cricket. I think they've captained BBL cricket, IPL cricket. So one of those guys is more than capable of captaining that team. Yeah, I agree with you. But they won't dare drop Aaron Finch because it it makes it look as if it's a panic move. Hey, we're dropping our captain. But sometimes the hard call needs to be made. Now, you might not have to make it. If we lose to England tomorrow night, then... It's a waste of time making a, any move because we're essentially out. Um, great to have the chat with you, Mark. Really appreciate you jumping on. Hold the line. We've got 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart. 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just $99 at clubmandalay.com.au. Chris in Moorabark. Welcome to you, Chris. I don't know. Yep, hello. Yeah, great to have you on, Chris. Welcome to the program. Yeah, good day, mate. Uh, yeah, first I want to give a shout-out to... Um, one of your sponsors, Identifiber. Uh, they helped us out yesterday with some good advice on cleaning up some flood damage at a mural park. Nice. Cheerio to the Identifiber um, team. Yeah, so good stuff to them. And um, yeah, also, just an idea with um, if the Tassie team comes in just to, for recruiting, like if any player between now and them coming in, if they don't get drafted, they can sign them up straight away and then not have them go on their salary cap ever. And that, that way they'll be able mm. to build up a, a good list of uh, sort of senior players by the time they come in. Well, we're going to have a chat to Sammy Edmund later on. He's been digging on this story about what the draft uh, repercussions are going to be when Tassie come in, which we still presume is going to be 2027, Chris, but it might be 2028. Um, so I'm agreeing with you in part. Let's get Tassie in first work out what year they're coming in, get the stadium built, and then work backwards from there. So it's 2027. Do you have two years where any guy not taken in the draft becomes automatically a Tasmania player and doesn't get included in the salary cap if they want him? 
when he's 21, 22. It's not such a bad idea, Chris, to be honest. So I appreciate you jumping on. Hold on, I've got something for you. Got a heap of stuff to give away today. So I've got something for you as well. You've got a Brick Lane Brewing voucher. Brick Lane Brewing, where lovers and makers of great beers come together. Join the community today, but drink responsibly. Great to have Brick Lane Brewing on board. In fact, Dwayne's bought for Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile and for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Straight back to your calls after the break. one 736 the open line. one 736 Keep your texts coming through as well on that 40 Winks Temper text machine. 40 Winks and Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R. Mattresses and pillows like no other. That number, 0433-981116. And I'll read a heap of your texts out as well. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Grab out your calls and your texts. Cal Toomey's going to talk to us about the draft, upcoming draft after one o'clock. Uh, is there an onus on the Giants to nominate Will Ashcroft, pick one, and make the Brisbane Lions pay full price for him? Or isn't there? Uh, is Cabman going to go pick one? Has North Melbourne done the right thing by the switcheroo of draft picks because they didn't want Cabman in the first place and don't have Cabman in their top four? Uh, Cal Toomey certainly doesn't have Cabman in the top four. Will the Giants end up not taking Cabman and fool everybody? All that a little bit later on. Uh, one here on that. The Giants could be doing Aaron Cabman a favour by bidding on Ashcroft, as was seen with previous number one picks. The media pressure and scrutiny that comes with it can be uh, an unneeded distraction for a player in their first season. So you might be right. Although, you know, even Phil Thorpe struggled a bit, even though he didn't end up being picked one as well. Uh, but he's a tall guy and they do take a little bit longer a time. I agree. I wouldn't have played Cummins in the last World Cup, but he did end up performing well. Uh, need someone with swing, cutters and variety. Thanks for that. Uh, the defending champs are looking wilted and stale. Greg H from Ormond. Uh, that chat with Mark was great. Dwayne knows his cricket and made his points without being a flog. Get him on once a week for a cricket recap. That's from Ben as well. Uh, they're not going to drop the captain halfway through the tournament. Don't know why people are ringing in suggesting it. Uh, Finch shouldn't have been in the squad, unfortunately. Uh, so many texts coming through. Uh, that caller is the reason why Aussie Rules fans get turned off with Australian soccer. Uh, always aggro. Uh, Darren in Geelong, they're not all. We can't sort of put them all in that one bucket. But it was an interesting call, um, complaining about the fact we were talking about we weren't talking about soccer, and then complaining about the fact that Australia has even gone to Qatar. Uh, John in Mill Park, speaking of which, welcome to you, John. I think you're there, John. Welcome to you. Great to have you on the program. I think we've got an issue with the phones. John, Dean, Alan, Mark, we'll come to you all. You're with Dwayne's World. Straight after this break, back to your calls and texts. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Midday Madness, Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Dean in Mount Waverley is on the line. Welcome to you, Dean. Great to have you on. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Great to be speaking to you. Fire away. Um, I'm calling up about the Socceroos, mate. Um, if I had a dollar for every time someone who knows nothing about 
soccer or knows nothing about soccer in Australia had a take on something, I'd be a very rich man. Here's the harsh reality, SEM listeners. Um, if the Socceroos were to boycott the World Cup, we would be punished more than Qatar. Now, I know that might sound like an outrageous statement to some people, but let me explain it. For those who don't know, the Socceroos play their international football in the Asian Football Confederation, which Qatar is not only a member of, but is a very prominent influence within Asia. In political terms, if we were to boycott this World Cup, we would be screwed. We would be on the outer within the AFC and worst case scenario, we could even be kicked out of the Asian Football Confederation, which goes against everything that the sports tried to done to get on its feet in this country. We joined Asia for a reason. Now, I know Australia's uh, human rights record isn't too crash hot, but it's certainly nowhere near as bad as Qatar's. And the most important thing I'd like to state here, Dwayne, is that not only if Australia was to boycott the World Cup, it wouldn't make a difference. If any country in the world was to boycott, it wouldn't make a difference. Yes, that's right, even including Brazil, Germany, England, Argentina. Because guess what? This World Cup's still going to go ahead. The Qataris still have an awful lot of money and they still have an awful lot of influence and their influence is growing globally in the game. So just to reiterate reiterate my point, I speak English, I swear. (laughs) No, it's all right, I get it. That's all good, Dan. You've made a pretty good point as it stands right now, Dean, so I appreciate you jumping on and and giving us your point of view on it. Uh, Someone from a soccer background, obviously, uh, giving us a global view on it, and I appreciate it. Uh, Ellie in St Kilda, welcome to you, Ellie. Oh, hey, Dwayne. Um, Just a couple of things with with cricket. Um, Firstly, India-Pakistan, having seen that, um, you know, that that game, that T20 game, and having read online um, that... They don't have test series over there because it's just too dangerous. I was just thinking, it's such a no. I don't, I don't think it's a no-brainer. What do I know? But how cool would it be to have a, a full-on series here um, between India and Pakistan? I mean, the, play, the MCG is fuller for India-Pakistan than it is for Australia games. So imagine a test series when India, if India plays Pakistan here, it would just be unbelievable. That's my first point. My other point, other idea for cricket is that this ICC Test ta- Championship thing. I mean, T20 is good, but Test is the real deal. Um, so I just want to say one point about Test. So the championship at the end of the whole um, two-year cycle or whatever it is, I think it's, 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 it's not fitting to have just one game. It's sort of like having, um, it's sort of like having a 50-round AFL season and then one game to decide who finishes at the top two. I just think it's a little bit out of whack. I think I should have a, a couple... One of, my, one of my friends was suggesting a sort of mini-tournament thing where you have four teams, the last four teams playing off in a, you know, a few series together over a couple of months in England, um, you know, like a sort of a finals, a championship finals tournament, um, something like that. Or at the very least, at least a series, a proper series between the top two teams. But one test match is, is for me, neither here nor there. Do you think that we'll ever get to the stage where, for the sake of test cricket being back to its number one status, um, at least in the planning number one status, when it comes to cricket bodies around the world, that we will get a major investment in a three, two and a half month tournament, Ellie, to decide the the best test nation in the world? Because um, you need to invest. I don't know. A I mean, the, the issue it. is. 
Yeah, it, w- it would take time. That's the problem. And what would all the other nations do at the same time? Um, yeah, there is that issue. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, hard, it's a hard you one. A, you, you can have a best of three series between the two. I mean, you, it, there's an opportunity for the top four nations maybe to have a best of three test series against um, in, in a semi-finals kind of format and then the, the two finals play off in a best of um, three series as well, test series. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Ellie, on a lot of fronts in that um, something needs to be done about test cricket slipping down everybody's pecking order when it comes to the money in the game, players, what they want to play, whether they want to play for their country. But team sport is becoming so big around the world, not just in cricket, but in every sport around the world. It's more important to play for your team than your country in some respects. There's guys who would much prefer to play NFL that have got the speed to maybe compete at the Olympics for America, but they'd rather play NFL because there's too much money in it. We're going to talk some baseball a little bit later on because the World Series between Houston and Philadelphia starts on the weekend, our time. There's a guy by the name of Bryce Harper who is, he earns five, he earns, I think, 50 million Australian dollars a year, 25 million US a year plus 7 million in US in endorsements a year. He's got a 13-year deal at 330 million US, which is about 508 million Australian dollars. Um, Team sport. It's, it's arguably the biggest thing right now if you're a cricketer as well. You're better off being involved in the team sport T20 franchises that happen because that's where your dollars are going to come from. Appreciate your chat. Ellie, always great to have you on. And uh, we've got a Garmy chicken voucher coming your way. $100 Garmy chicken voucher. Garmy, the unmissable chicken. Visit garmychicken.com.au for your nearest restaurant. Plenty still to come in the program. Sammy Edmonds is going to join us later on with any breaking news. AFL.com's Cal Toomey is also going to join me to talk about the little trade scenarios that have happened in the lead-up to this draft and what might happen draft night because the intrigue is growing. We'll also have a chat to Kevin Shifter-Sheen about it later on. And RJ Achoa from Dallas is going to join us to talk about the World Series. You're with Dwayne's World for Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile. And for Brick Lane Brewing, for lovers and makers of great beer. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Straight back to your calls and your texts. If you want to join me, one 736 that open line, which is brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? And if you are in the market for a new or used car, drop down and see the team at Werribee Kia Got a huge new and used car showroom down there. David, Janan, Aid, Jim, the whole team. Tell them we sent you. A couple of texts that have come through before we head back to your calls. Uh, hey, Dwayne, I feel like we try to manufacture an Aussie team out of the test and one day team rather than picking specific 2020 players from the big bash or leagues that happen around the world. Would love to know your thoughts. Cheers, Viv. Well, I think just we've committed a long way out to our captain, Aaron Finch and to Pat Cummins as well as part of our leadership group for our cricket team, our cricket squad. So off the back of one loss, um, do we just chuck it all out? And that's why they're not going to. They're not going to chuck it all out. They're going to stick with the people that they've had 
as part of their long-term plan. But the interesting part is also that Cameron Green has been part of their long-term new plan. They've been trying to get him in, and uh, they haven't been able to get him in. And Steve Smith, so they're not sticking with Steve Smith either. So they are mixing it up a bit. There's a lot of people who believe we should have stuck with Steve Smith, and he should be playing. So the best batsman in the world in general, um, not even playing in this T20 World Cup. So they kind of are doing that. Uh, Hi, Dwayne. Would be interested if any questions were asked of the AFL regarding the availability of Marvel Stadium to be on standby if weather turned inclement. Well, um, there was motocross at Marvel as well last week as well, so uh, probably not available as it is right now. Back to your calls. A couple of callers are on the line. Alan in Sydney. Welcome to you, Alan. Good afternoon. I thought I'd lighten the show up a bit for you. Um, you know, midday madness. What can be madder than us Australians? And Postakovic, our man that we threw away. He wins titles in Japan. He wins titles in Scotland with Celtic. They're leaving a dozen bottles of scotch on his front door every other week. All of the Toyota Ranger cars are no longer called Toyota Rangers. They're called Toyota Ange because they've cancelled the two R's so they're all driving around in Ange Toyotas and he's coming out here next month (laughs) and we're going to pay money to go and listen to him. How beautiful is that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for your call Alan, always great to have you on Uh, call any time. He's just doing so many great things Ange Postacoglu so it is nice to have somebody on the world football stage being celebrated as much as Angie's right now. A couple of other texts. I can't wait for the Soccer World Cup to start. Little minnow like Australia to shock the world. That's from Steve. Thanks for that, Steve. I think we've all got our fingers crossed that we can all get into it. Um, and I think we will all get into it. Um, hi, Dwayne. I heard Brady Rawlings after the trade period saying they had about four players rated evenly at the top of the draft. So... The options are open. A question for Cal is, will the upcoming Tasmania team impact recruiting Tassie talent because of the go-home factor? Uh, Lockie Cowan looks a ripper. That's from Nick. Um, Yeah, I'll have a chat to him about that as well. Uh, Love the show, Pipe. Uh, Love the draft talk. Keep talking footy. Ben, we will keep talking plenty of footy, but we'll talk about whatever people call about. That's what Midday Matters is all about. One here by Gary on the text. As soon as soccer comes on, I turn off. And many I know are the same. Yeah, we can all be tolerant of other sports, can't we, Gary? Just a little bit of love for a World Cup that's coming up, surely. Um, Sorry, uh, Daniel. Let's talk about AFL 365 days a year. I'm happy with that. Matt from Perth. Um, It is fun to talk AFL 365 days a year. I do enjoy it. Um, Changes to the Aussie T20 team, Dwayne. Out, Finch, David and Cummins. In, Green, Smith and Richardson. Um, a couple of other texts here on Steve Smith. Steve Smith not being in the 11 is ridiculous, and that probably sums up a few of the texts that I've got on Steve Smith. I could read out probably 20 on Steve Smith alone. Uh, West Coast have aligned their draft picks 8, 12, 20, and 26 to potentially align with four WA products in the draft. Gibney at pick 8, uh, or Gimby at pick 8 uh, is, is one they're obviously after. Um, Elijah Hewitt, pick 12. Uh, Ed, Allen, Ed Allen, pick 20, and pick 26, Darcy Jones. Uh, thanks for that as well. Uh, how can I be interested in the World Cup when I can't name one person in the team? 
bring back Neil and Kale and Viduka. You'll get interested once the World Cup is on. We'll all get into it. We'll all be barracking for the Aussies. Uh, the Australian T20 side needs whole child changes to freshen up the approach post this World Cup. Well, I think there will be changes, and Finch might be one of those. Um, and North have already stated that they're stocking up with forwards in the draft. Well, they're not going to take Cadman as a forward, but they might be about to take Sheasel as a forward. We'll talk to Cal Toomey about that after the break as well. Here with Dwayne's well. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Been great to have your company so far. Dwayne's World for Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile and for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Pretty wild Midday Madness, madness in Midday Madness so far. AFL.com's Cal Termi has been good enough to join me to probably set a few things straight in my mind leading up to this big AFL draft coming up. Uh, welcome to you, Cal. Great to have you back on the program, by the way. Thanks, Dwayne. Good to be here. A month out from the NAB AFL draft and yeah, looking forward to it now. It's all systems go for these draft prospects and, and recruiters who are working out where to place some of the best talent in the land. So let's go through it. There's, the theory being thrown out is that North Melbourne simply didn't have Aaron Cabman as their number one pick. So why keep number one pick if you don't think uh, you're going to take Cabman? You might as well um, trade that to a team that thinks you might take Cabman in the Giants if they want Cabman so desperately. Um, so are we just presuming now that the Giants will take Cabman with pick one or do they have something sneaky up their sleeve? I'm not sure if you can have too much sneaky up this sleeve when you're up pick one because you've got you've got the full uh, the full sort of gamut of things ahead of you because uh, you have control of the draft. Look, I'd be surprised if uh, they don't go with Darren Cadman at this point. I think it's going to go that way. Um, he is the key forward. He is the player who, um, from a character point of view, fits into what they're trying to build and progress at the Giants. And from a needs point of view, they haven't drafted um, the key position forwards with the early picks in recent years, they're hard to come by key forwards. You either, generally, you look at the, the ones who are successful around the competition, they're either top 10 picks or they're father-son picks. They're very hard to find outside of that sort of realm. So uh, I think for the Giants, Aaron Cadman is a really good pick at the top of the board, and that's why they wanted to move up to the top of the board. So from North Melbourne's point of view, uh, you have to um, surmise, as you say, that um, he wasn't in there front of mind when they were looking at what their board was going to be. So um, they've also got some really good options. And I think the top group of this year's draft has set itself apart to be a really exciting um, crop of players. So you don't think Cabman is one of the best four players in Australia heading into this draft either, do you? Because you've got him at five. Well, on my rank- yeah, on my rankings, I've got him at five. And I've had him around that mark throughout this year. Look, it's no criticism to be ranked number five in the country as an 18-year-old key forward. Some would say that I, I maybe judge um, the key position forwards a bit harder than maybe some of the midfielders, um, and that could be fair. It's easier. It's an easier game at under-18 level for the midfielders to dominate because, as we know, the, the taller types do take on longer, and history will either prove me right or wrong by having him at number five at the moment. But, um, look, he's had a really exciting season. It's his first year as a key 
forward. He's, he's been a, a midfielder basically until a big growth spurt really plummeted and pushed him into um, playing as a key forward across this year for the Greater Western Victoria Rebels and, and Victoria Country as well. So, look, I've got him in the top five. He's at number five for me, and I've got some of the more pure midfielders ahead of him. Included in that, of course, is Will Ashcroft. So, um, you know, if a bid does come at pick one, then that would knock uh, Cabinet back to two. So I don't think there's a huge gap in there. So is there any responsibility? Well, let me ask you the question this way. Does every club in the country believe that Will Ashcroft is the best player in this draft? And is there any responsibility on the Giants to make Brisbane pay full price by nominating him with pick one? Questions. Does every club think Will Ashcroft's the best player in it? I don't think every club will, will think that. But there's always a, a variance of views. Look, he, he's had the most complete season of um, a draft prospect this year. There's no doubt about that. He's averaged 34 disposals or something close to that at NAB League level. He's won the last medal. Um, as the best player in the under-18 championships for Vic Metro. He was best on ground in the NAB League Grand Final. Um, he, he had a three-vote game in the VFL playing for Brisbane's VFL side, which is so rare for a, a mm. pop-up player, essentially, to come in and get that at, at his age. So putting all that to one side, we haven't seen too much of George Wardlaw this year as a midfielder. If he played throughout the year, how tight would that battle have been in an open field? I just saw this miss. 10 or 11 weeks throughout the middle of the season as well through a foot fracture. Some of his best games, Elijah Sardis, as a midfielder early this year, I think were among the best games we've seen from any draftee across this season. Inside, outside midfield, a bit taller, damaging player. Um, so these types, and Aaron Cabin is a key forwarder, obviously views um, yeah, his games a little bit differently to some of the midfielders. So I don't think every club will have Will Ashcroft as the player who they think will be the best player out of the draft. In saying that, he is the absolute surest bet because of what we've seen and he'll come in and make a huge impact for um, Brisbane from day one. Do the Giants have responsibility for the rest of the clubs to make a bid? That's entirely their call. Um, they had bid last year and picked two on Sam Darcy, so they haven't been afraid to, to bid early on players before who they rate and, and respect and, and want to join their club. In the end, I think it'll come down to that. Do they want this player to join their club? And, and how much do they want the number one pick to be um, their own as well? Because they know they won't get it. I mean, Brisbane will have to come up with the points. But the interesting part is, if Brisbane have to pay full price, they have to go into points deficit a little bit, don't they? Yeah, well, probably not as much for Will Ashcroft, but it's more the secondary bid that's going to push them into a points deficit. And that would be for Jasper Fletcher. Yep. who, of course, is the son of Adrian Fletcher. So that would be the part that pushes him into deficit for next year, potentially. In saying all of that, um, they, they don't have their first-round pick for next year, so the deficit would come off what is their first pick next year, which is their second-round right. pick. Um, so it, it's not a huge cost to pay. I know clubs don't like going into deficit. It doesn't happen often. But for the Lions and what they're going to be bringing in this off-season with Josh Dunkley on top of um, the two-gun midfielders through the draft, it's not a huge price to pay, so it's, it's definitely not any doom or gloom. But they'll be fine to, to match the bid. So they'll match the bid and they'll get him. That, that's the hard part. It, is it better off to, because you get a bonus, you get a financial bonus as being pick one? Is it? What's the theory, that you'd rather have less pressure and not be the number one pick coming out of the draft? So in the end, they, they take Will Ashcroft or pick Will Ashcroft as a number one pick 
the Giants, even though they don't get him, and they end up getting Cabman number two, and there's less pressure on him because he's number two. How's it all unfold? Would you rather be pick one or not? I'd rather be pick one. What would you rather be, Dwayne? Yeah, I'd rather be pick one as well. You get the financial bonus, but some players obviously want that responsibility and thrive on it. It seems like not everybody does, though. No, I don't think everyone does. I think Aaron Cadman's a player who isn't as stressed about it one way yeah. or another. Um, I think um, I think Will Ashcroft has set the goal throughout his time to be the number one pick, but he really doesn't have too much control over that one way or another apart from his performance, which would be worthy of getting the bid at pick one. But um, Aaron Cadman is the type of personality that I don't think would be too stressed if it's was at number one, and he had to carry that extra expectation that comes because there is, as we know, there is a big difference between the number one and the number two picks. Everyone remembers who's number one. I dare say not everyone remembers who the number two picks in a lot of drafts are. So there is a big difference from an expectation external point of view. Um, the financial reward is, is obviously a bonus, but I don't think that's going to be um, a say in whether a bid is made one way or another. Of course, we saw in 2020... Um, Adelaide make the bid on Jamari Hagen, and the Bulldogs obviously matched that one as a Next Generation Academy player. And this year, clearly, uh, there's another opportunity for that. And last year, we had Nick Dacos, who got to number four, which, you know, in hindsight, we'll say that I'm pretty sure even Forsyth could have said that that was going to be a little bit too low, given what his extreme abilities are. So, uh, look, everyone does a little bit differently, but I, I do understand the circumstances where, um, it can depend a little bit on the personality type of players and, and who's involved and, and the clubs involved as well. I mean, um, pick one does generate great publicity for clubs and, and great hope. And, and if it's on the shoulders of a player who's comfortable with it, then, then that's um, a lot to take into. So who does North take then with picks two and three in essence? Do they take Wardlaw, Sardis or Sheasel? Because depending on who you ask, you know, I think they'll take Sheasel. But you've got him as pick four in your order, which means that they could take Wardlaw and Sardis? No, my order's a ranking, just a pure ranking. So um, that's just a pure pound-for-pound ranking. So I think he will be um, uh, very strongly in the frame for North Melbourne with one of their pick two or three. And I think George Wardlaw as well is is right in that mix um, to be uh, for the Roos. Look, they've had pick three on the table as well. If, if a trade is, is good enough and reported during the, the trade period on au, that they would be open to offers on pick three if they would slide back or move. Um, but they probably require a, a very strong future selection to, to move back a number of spots. So um, I, I think it's most likely that they take both of those picks to the draft. And, and Sheasel and Wardlaw have been the strong favourites in those selections. Sheasel being more of a, a goal-kicking half forward who can go into the midfield if he kicks 35 or so goals in the NAB league. And, and Wardlaw's a powerful midfielder who could fill some of the void from um, what the Roos had planned to get out of Jason Horn Francis. I don't think there's that many um, differences between both of those players when they're up and going. Injuries um, stopped George Wardlaw in his tracks a couple of times this season, but he's a quality player who um, I do know clubs do have um, ranks within the one or two uh, on their draft boards. Um, around the competition. So, uh, look, there's Elijah Sardis amongst that sort of contention as well. You look a little bit further into the pool and Bailey Humphreys, a quality player as well from the Gippsland Power. Jai Clark's a midfielder from the Geelong Falcons who we've spoken a lot about through the trade period as well. Cam McKenzie's another midfield option. 
But look, I, I, there's a powerful midfield group at the top end of this year's group, and um, North Melbourne should be able to at least pounce on one of them. So, in essence, Ashcroft goes, Wardlaw goes, Cabman goes, and Shearsall goes, which leaves Essendon with pick four to get either, what, Sardis or Humphrey? According to your order, that would be they'd go for one of those? I think both of those guys would be um, in the mix. There's other guys who would be in contention as well. Ruben Jimby, midfielder from Western Australia. Uh, Matthias Filippo, um, a South Australian midfielder. Those two guys, I, I think, should appeal as taller midfielders. We all know Essendon's midfield mix probably doesn't have those guys who are the 189, 190-centimetre types, which those two are, and, and it would add a little bit of difference. But Sardis is a quality player. I've been a big fan of his, as I said before. Some of his games this year were um, standouts uh, at the start of the year and at the end of the year. Um, he's about 180, 687 centimetres. So, again, he is a little bit taller than what their group has. And Bailey Humphreys... Um, You've got some Toby Green tendencies, I think. He, he's the, the small forward slash midfield. He's 185 centimetres, so he's not that small, but he's mm. powerful, can jump, he takes mm. marks. He, he registers a stack of shots on goal and played with a few injuries this year as well and, and put together a really exciting season. So he would be a point of difference in a different way. You need to start as a forward, but yeah, for the Bombers, all of those guys should be right in that mix. And which leads Hawthorne to either choose, what, Jai Clark ahead of Geelong or... Geelong will be hanging out for pick seven to be Jai Clark and not be taken by Hawthorne, the pick ahead of them. <laughs> you would, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tight. Um, I think Jai Clark would be in the mix for a number of clubs in that, that opening group. And, and Hawthorne and Geelong clearly would be looking at him as a midfield option. He's got the Joel Selwood leadership and, and tendencies and, and intensity too. He's a really high-quality player in person. Jai had a strong season. Um, he has been mentored a little bit through um, Joel Selwood and, and his time at the Cats earlier this year as part of the NAB AFL Academy when he trained at the Cats and, and leaves a stone thrown away. Stone, a stone throw away sorry. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Hawks would have a look at him as well, I think. And, and the Hawks obviously took Josh Ward last year. You know, Jai Clark would probably complement that group too. And before I let you go, the Gold Coast with pick five are essentially going to have to take a Victorian, aren't they? So would they take Jai Clark? from Geelong, it's going to be a tricky one for them. They have to make sure that they go through it fairly carefully and make sure they get someone who won't have the go-home factor on their mind. Filippo's another one that you mentioned from SA. So, you know, given what's just happened with them, with the departure, you know, of one of their guns, would they go with the South Australian again? That's all the things you have to weigh up. And the other one as well in that, in that mix could be Ruben Jimby, who a lot of clubs do yeah. have locked in as the top 10 pick. He's from Western Australia. Um, I do think that um, Jimby has a lot of takers inside the top 10. His combine was outstanding. He was probably one of the, the, the big risers out of the combine. Just underlined athletically how strong he was. A little bit out of sight, out of mind at stages this year as well um, from you know some quarters, given he's played some school footy in Western Australia and not had as much... Um, exposure potentially at Waffle Senior and, and Colts level as others, but yeah, he, he would be in that frame. And there's other Victorians as well, and Bailey Humphrey, you talk about Jai Clark, all those things come into contention when um, these clubs are weighing things up. And there's been a lot of talk around the Victorian um, sort of go home factor, and it was the trade period of the go home factor, wasn't it, with Rankin and Jackson and Horn Francis and Bruin and even Ollie Henry from, from Collingwood to Geelong. So I think that's right in the front of the minds of, of scouts as they weigh things up. And I'll ask the questions to, to 
the players over the next few weeks as well, see what their answers are that come back and, and how sure they are that they're happy to move. Do you think on draft night we're going to see some teams live trade up or even some teams live trade themselves down? I mean, if, Ge- if Jai Clark's not available for Geelong at pick seven, do they you know, allow their pick seven to be bid for by somebody else? Could do, and that's the beauty of um, the, the, the live trading. Um, we, we don't see much of it within the first round. We've only seen a few over the years of first-round picks happen uh, and, and be swapped around. There was one, obviously, the Liam Stocker deal, famously, in, in 2018. And then uh, 2019, Carlton, again, um, moved out of that uh, or moved a, a couple of picks around and moved up the board when there was the Gold Coast selection as well. So there's not been a huge amount of movement inside the first 10. Generally, clubs stay and, and stay put, but... Um, the Swans have two picks at 14 and 17, which they're willing to package up if they can get high enough and if the players are available. So all it takes, Dwayne, as we all know, is, is one surprise and one club to sort of flick your player that no one really expected to go quite as high, and that can have the ripple effect to, to push one out. And, and we'll see if this, that happens again this year. And what's going to happen? Uh, Sammy Evans is going to join us later, but do you think there's going to be a, a spread of Tasmania opportunities to take players out of the draft that will stretch maybe a four-, four- or five-year period as opposed to loading up and giving them every second kid in one draft? Yeah, it's a little bit down the track, isn't it? I think clubs have that on their minds um, in terms of what they're doing um, with their own recruiting and getting in and trying to have strong draft plans, particularly clubs with, with, um, who are more in the rebuilding phase, getting in early. Because, I mean, we know we look at the Gold Coast and Giants that did over... You know, multiple years there, and if you spread their sort of concessions out over three to four years themselves, um, elongate some of the the rebuilds that um, other clubs were trying to push up the board at that time. Whether it's um, you know Richmond and Essendon and North Melbourne who were, were sort of starting their rebuilds, but then um, had to be sort of staggered a little bit throughout that period as all the, the picks were swallowed swallowed up. So I think the AFL will be mindful of. Um, the lessons learned from different um, expansion clubs over recent years and also the recruiters and list managers are, are pretty switched on. So they would see what the opportunities can be. Cal, love your work. We'll be following it on AFL.com. Uh, the Phantom form guide for October is live. The Road to the Draft show is also dropping episodes left, right and centre. So you can follow Cal Toomey on Twitter as well. Cal Toomey. Looking forward to your company on Twitter and on AFL.com and hopefully we'll sneak him on a couple of times before the draft. We'll talk soon, Cal. Thanks again. Thanks, Dwayne. Cal Toomey joining us. Midday Madness for Melbourne Roadside Rescue, Wrong Fuel Extraction. Search upshipcreek.com.au. A break, plenty still to come. We'll talk some AFL later in the program as well with Kevin Shifter Sheehan. We're also going to... Head to Dallas and talk some World Series. Sammy Edmund to bring us any breaking news. And cricket with Adam Collins. So a heap of stuff still to get to on Dwayne's World. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Had hundreds of your texts coming through today, but so many. I'll go through a couple again in a second. You can send us a text on the 40 Winks temper text 0433 98 11 16. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, 
serious about sleep. Uh, one here, uh, Pipe. I can't work out why the selectors would bring in Green as a replacement for the reserve wicketkeeper and not play him. If you weren't going to play him, then bring in a reserve wicketkeeper. Just very odd. I think Green will play. That's from Ross. Well, it would be interesting to play Green, have him open. Would you drop Cummins? Uh, would you drop Finch? They're not dropping Finch, so it's probably a waste of time talking about it. Uh, after getting burned by Horn Francis, hard to see North Melbourne selecting Filippo. Or two completely different players, two completely different people, and maybe a completely different era. If you do pick a South Australian like Filippo, and he comes to North Melbourne, and Alistair Clarkson is your coach, um, maybe it's a different world, North Melbourne. So um, that, that might have been a bit of the issue for Horn Francis. I think it was. It wasn't. Uh, the most stable world at North Melbourne. We've talked about that quite a bit over the last month and a half. Uh, yes, and one here from Paul giving me a whack. Let's bring in Tassie. So North and the Saints miss out on top five players for three years and stay in the middle or the bottom. You're full of great ideas, Russell. Yes, let's do everything to keep Melbourne teams at the bottom, like when the Suns and the Giants came in. Oh, you've got, you're a great ideas man. That's from Paul. Well, Paul, I don't mind putting it on the record. I'd like to have Tassie come in in 2027, 2028. I think they should have the commitment to have to build a stadium. Uh, I think the government obviously has to put up a bit of that money, but apparently they are. So am I for Tassie coming in? Yeah, I am. Uh, is it going to hurt the Victorian teams who are down the bottom at that time and are going to be going to the draft at that time? Yeah, it is. But I think for the betterment of the competition becoming truly national, I think it's a good idea. Anyway, that's just my opinion, and I appreciate yours. We'll take a break for news. Back with plenty to come on Dwayne's World. Because maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. Plenty to come on the program. Sammy Edmonds going to join us after 2 o'clock with any breaking news. SEN Cricket's Adam Collins also to join us after 2. Three games today and tonight, South Africa, Bangladesh, India, Netherlands, and Pakistan, Zimbabwe. Uh, Tom in Williamstown's on the line. Welcome to you, Tom. How are you, Pipe? You going all right, brother? I'm going really well. How are you going? Not too bad, mate. At, at work, bro. I've just got a question, bro. Like, I've heard it spoken about a lot and how the the uh, richer clubs uh, do better. So, Essendon's got 84,000 members. We own our own stadium. Like, no one else owns their own training facility. We also have never had a priority pick, Dwayne. Essendon and Geelong are the only two clubs that have never had priority pick. And we haven't won a final in 20 years. So how does that work, mate? And we've got to pay... We've got to pay over the soft cap to pay Ben Rutten. And St Kilda have been stuck in the AFL dry for 20 years and they don't have to pay. You know what I mean? It's just... It's a joke, mate. Well, it's equalisation, Tom. I mean, we, we don't want to kick St Kilda out of the comp, do we? We've got to try and help them get back on track. I mean, they've been a great contributor to the, never ha- to the competition for decades. Yeah, okay. But what's Essendon? Essendon's paid their own way forever. Never yeah. had a handout, nothing. And we get nothing out of it. What do we get out of it? We haven't even had a priority pick, mate. Yeah, you didn't get a priority pick. You've had a couple of early picks, though, Tom, but uh, that was for finishing down the bottom, and we all know that story. So, um, yeah, appreciate your call, Tom. It is, look, the, the rich clubs have a responsibility to the competition for equalisation. Um, does Essendon know the competition because they get uh, a couple of blockbuster games like Anzac Day as well, and the other clubs don't get that? 
Um, they are a powerhouse club, Essendon. Collingwood's a power. There's a number of powerhouse clubs that are great, but we can't. There must be a level where you do get rewarded for being able to run your club well and have a true greatness at management and coaching level, but also an equalisation factor where the worst teams in the comp, for one reason or the other, they don't pick well at the draft or they don't have the best people administering them at the time, end up being in desperate times and we need to help them. I mean, Richmond, 15 years ago, they were on their knees. They were rattling tins to stay alive. But isn't the competition great that Richmond has been able to survive through that and become great again? Melbourne's drought over a long period of time. You know, Melbourne were in a lot of trouble for a long period of time. So that's what we need. We need a competition where just because you're not great all the time doesn't mean the competition doesn't value you as a club and we help you get through the tough times and allow you to get it right at some stage, which Richmond certainly has. A couple other texts that have come through. Uh, hey, Dwayne, do you think Cal Toomey is a fortune teller or something? He knows about as much as you and I as to who clubs are going to pick in the draft. Uh, to be honest, I think he knows a bit more than me and maybe you, and that's one of the reasons we get him on. He's a bit cluey in that area. So you don't just use all the brains you've got. You use all the brains you can borrow on this program, and it was nice to borrow uh, Cal Toomey's brain for about 10 minutes. We'll take a break. Still plenty to come on Dwayne's World, including a little bit of World Series. So still to come, plenty of footy coming your way, but I'm going to talk the World Series. It starts on the weekend. We'll head to the US next. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. One on, Harper coming up. Not only did he reach the postseason, he's been the best hitter in the postseason. This is the deepest he's ever played. He's one win, and in this case, one swing perhaps, from the World Series. On the seventh pitch, Harper hits him in the air, left center field. Bryce Harper has the Phillies on the verge of the World Series. And this a strike away. One ball, two strikes. Judge on the ground. Presley's got it. Easy flip. Ball game over. And the Houston Astros win the American League pennant. The Astros are going back to the World Series. Back-to-back seasons for the fourth time in the last six years. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Always great to have so many of your calls and your texts coming through. Always great to read so many of your texts. And we'll head back to the text machine very shortly. But the World Series starts this weekend. Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies. It's going to be massive in the US. And I think it's going to be pretty big here in Australia and around the world as well. The Astros are kind of the villains. And uh, they did actually wipe away with a bit of arrogance the Yankees last week in a sweep. And... They are looking pretty good. The bookies have them as favourites. But RJ Ochoa from SB Nation, authority on all things Astros, Cowboys, Mavs, uh, manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, which covers the Cowboys as well, has been good enough to give us a couple of minutes of his time and give us a preview. Welcome to you, AJ. Great to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. I am a villain. I am a, a diehard Houston Astros fan, and uh, we waved the flag proudly. Um, it was a, a sweep, just so we're very clear about that, undefeated in the postseason the Houston Astros are, and looking to continue that streak starting Friday night. So uh, the almighty Astros can't lose? I mean, you know, it's, it's the World Series. And, like, fun aside, um, I mean, this, this Philadelphia Phillies team is hot. 
Um, this Phillies team actually, I'm sure you've discussed, uh, clinched their wild card spot at Minute Maid Park uh, near the end of the regular season. And uh, the day after, uh, you know, they'd done some, some celebrating, surely with some, some water and other levels of hydration. Um, and John Perlander flirted with a no-hitter. Um, and so uh, it, was, it was a fun kind of, you know, spring training sort of uh, vibe uh, with, with the seriousness that each team was approaching it, what with the Astros having clinched uh, the one seed in the American League at the time. Um, I, I mean, you know, there, there's something to be said about how hot Philly is, and, and that's kind of what Houston ran into a year ago in Atlanta and, and three years ago in, in Washington. Um, but, but this Astros team is just so much more well-rounded than, than either of those. This pitching staff is incredible. Uh, I mean, you know, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers Jr., I, I think would both be aces in a lot of other, you know, clubhouses. Um, and it's tough for them to crack into the rotation here. I mean, the Astros have an incredible pitcher in Jose Urquidy, who, who hasn't even thrown a pitch in this postseason just uh, because of how deep they are. And I think that that truly uh, – people love to say, you know, hitting wins games, but, but pitching wins championships or, or pitching wins series, rather. And that's, that's kind of where Houston is right now. So the Phillies haven't been there, haven't won it since 2008. They desperately wanted to get back to the World Series, so they go and get Bryce Harper. They get him on a, and we talk about long-term deals in our sport here in Australia quite a bit, and we argue about whether a five- or six-year deal is too long to give a guy. Um, Bryce Harper got a 13-year deal, which is essentially around $50 million Australian dollars a year. So he got a $330 million 13-year deal in U.S. dollars. Uh, they went and bought their guy, and he's delivered so far. Yeah, I should mention, by the way, that he's um, Dallas Cowboys fan, Bryce Harper. I, I know he has since um, <laughs> transitioned uh, into in rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles, but, but any time I can take a jab at Philly, I can, which is why this World Series is special to me. He's, I mean, you know, I, I think this is kind of the dream. If, you're, you know, if, if your team does whatever the sport is, you know, spend big on a free agent, that, that he would be the driving, propelling force to you, that, that he would have this kind of signature moment the way he did uh, in the NLCS against San Diego. Um, he, he's been remarkable, and, and I think that they've all been remarkable. Schwarber's been re- remarkable. You know, I mean, they've just they, they've gotten the hits when it's counted, and you, you know that that's where this does kind of feel like unstoppable force meets immovable object. Um, what with magic versus pedigree, that that kind of feels like this particular matchup. But um, I, I just don't know. I mean, some, sometimes that that tends to run its course, and it's hard to see that you know lasting its way for four more wins. So the Astros have got a lot of big names, though. I mean, you mentioned their pitching, but also Altuve, Guriel, Bregman. They've got this unbelievable team. But America will be barracking for the Phillies. If you're not an Astros fan, you're essentially rooting for the Phillies, are you? You know, I think that that is the consensus. Um, there, there's obviously a lot of people um, who, who will probably forever root against the Astros. But, but I do think that, you know, the fact that they've, they've now gotten to two more since, um, since news of the scandal broke, obviously, mm. following the, the 19 series, which, which is one that they happen to lose as well, obviously. Um, but but I, I think, you know, it depends on, um, and I say this in all seriousness, it depends on how rational the sports fan is. Because I do think there is this consensus of like, man, this is hard to deny at this point, what they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, and I think that a lot of people admire them. I mean, the Astros have, have, you know, succeeded in spite of losing significant contributors. I mean, Garrett Cole left the New York Yankees, George Springer to the Blue Jays, Carlos Correa. That was, you know, obviously a very, very famous um, kind of back and forth. And, and he leaves. And, and not only are you replacing these people, uh, but by way of, of free agency. And there are some trades and things involved, the way all sports are, are kind of put together. But, but Jeremy Pena is kind of the, the sort of uh, most romantic story, I guess, going on with the Astros, what with 
coming up through their farm system, a player they identified, they believed in, they let the, the high-priced veteran, their leader, their, their postseason clutch master, uh, walk away and get the bag while, while they promoted the youngster. And he has delivered, not only delivered, but, but authored these incredible, remarkable moments. He had the, the single run uh, in the closeout game against Seattle. He had the three run last to, to kind of even things up um, in game four against New York. Um, and, and to that point, I mean, you mentioned Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, obviously amazing. Altuve and Jordan had one single hit between the two of them in the ALCS. And so the fact that they're getting this done, not just with the, the cornerstones that people have identified, but these new buys that they have found along the way is impressive. So I'd like to sort of talk to you about baseball in uh, an area that we kind of relate to in Australia as well with our sports. That's why I mentioned Bryce Harper's long-term deal. Baseball is also, we argue here, oh, why change the rules all the time? You're always changing the rules. Baseball has tinkered with its rules a bit, and you're about to tinker with it again. You're about to make the bases bigger and the pitch clock shorter. So there's a few things happening in baseball that has that sport evolving as well. I think that's just you know a reaction to um, to culture and, and to the way sports are, are kind of consumed. Um, you know, there are there are purists, right? There are purists who who love baseball, who appreciate it, who are upset about the extra innings adaptation that this season had, what with runners starting on second base. You're, you're going to sully the record books, right? You're going to change, you know, RBI is going to be easier to get, things like that. Um, but, but all this is done kind of in the name of, of making games, you know, quicker, more faster, uh, you know, more action, more dynamic moments. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Premier League fan, like I'm sure many people in Australia are. What's phenomenal about you know watching a premier league game is, is hey it's you can set your watch by the time it's supposed to end and so um i think baseball is trying to catch up to that you know i'd say america's most behind the nfl um obviously and, and that's that's where i obviously might make my bread and butter and so you know major league baseball just has things to, to you know figure out it's it's a it's an old-timey sport and i don't know that i think anything has to be adjusted but you, you have to innovate somewhere along the way and it appears that they're doing that and before I let you go, are your Cowboys going to finally deliver or not? You know, uh, I mean, they've already kind of <laughs> over-delivered, uh, at least relative uh, to our initial expectations. Um, they're one of the best teams in the NFL right now, and, and they're doing that with, you know, an offense that is still kind of finding itself. Obviously, Dak Prescott returned a week ago. Um, I like their odds. I mean, obviously, the NFC East is, is a lot of fun and really competitive, and, and now both the Cowboys and the Eagles have made some trades to shore up their defensive line, but... Um, I, I've never felt this magical and this terrified all at the same time, but that kind of is the Dallas Cowboys way in and of itself. And your Mavs, how are they going to travel? You know, um, a rough night last night, obviously, uh, against New Orleans, but, um, I mean, I, I think you have to, if you have one of the best players on earth, you have a chance, and that's kind of a Luka Doncic offers every night. RJ, uh, great to have a chat to you. I really appreciate you jumping on to give us a little World Series preview. We'll talk soon. Of course. Thanks a lot, my friend. Safe travels. RJ Achoa from SB Nation, uh, all things Astros, Cowboys, Mavs, uh, and blogging the boys is what you can log on to. Covers the Cowboys as well if you want to hear a little bit more. Um, can't wait. Houston Astros against the Phillies, and it should be a ripper even though the Astros, as he mentioned, uh, did sweep the Yankees and go in as a pretty tight favourite. Back after the break. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Big hour still to come. Been great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World for Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile and for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers 
and makers of great beer. Plenty of cricket. In fact, it's about to start. Adam Collins has been good enough to join us from SEN Cricket. Three big games today and tonight. South Africa, Bangladesh, India, Netherlands and Pakistan, Zimbabwe later tonight. Adam, great to have you on the program, especially given what happened last night. There's a bit to talk about. Welcome to you. Yeah, what a thrilling victory for Ireland. I mean, I, I think sometimes we get a bit carried away with upsets at major tournaments with sides that we don't consider to be, I guess, on Broadway. Ireland have performed really well, not only at this competition, but the 50-over World Cup over the years. And we see far more volatility in the 20-over format of the game with associate nations. And Ireland aren't an associate nation anymore either. They've been a full member of the ICC since 2018. They play test cricket now. And um, the last two Irish-English games have gone this way too. I was there in Southampton in 2020 inside the bio bubble when they played three one days, and the third of those Ireland chased down 340 to beat the English. So it's a surprise in the context of England being a fantastic 20 over side, but it's not a completely stunning result given what Ireland have been able to achieve over the last 15 years. So it would be a big upset though if Ireland won another one, though, wouldn't it, Adam? If all of a sudden they're a contender to advance here. Mm. I don't think it'll get to that stage. I mean, in, in practice, they're not as strong a side as, as those who are in the division with them in Group 1. But what this does do is it gives them an opportunity to finish in the top four. Now, that may not, that may not sound like a big deal, but top four guarantees automatic qualification for the next World Cup in two years from now. And given they're reconfiguring the way the World Cup qualification works when they expand the tournament, and only two teams get through from Europe, that'll be a huge get for them. So they may not make the final two from this group in advance. But getting into the top four, so one more win, uh, that would be enough to guarantee automatic qualification for 2024 in the Caribbean. Have you done the math? Uh, what does that mean for tomorrow night's Australia-England game at the MCG if we get one, given the weather's still a little dodgy? Yeah. Look, I, I think that look, the, the no result would, would keep both sides in contention. But if I, either side will put this way it's effectively elimination final you can you can mount a mathematical argument that australia are still alive if they lose tomorrow night but it's a fairly um, it's a fairly uh, odd one and the same goes for england so they'll be going into this knowing that if they drop the blockbuster at the mcg against the old enemy they're probably out of the tournament so let's continue on um do we stick with the lineup we had uh, we presume zampa comes in and agar goes out are you a finch stays in or a finch gets dropped kind of guy you're worried about pat cummins ability with the ball where are you on all that yeah well look put it this way i agree zampa comes back for agar that's no reflection on agar it's just that zampa's been an outstanding t20 bowler for australia for a number of years and we know the vagaries of covid by the way so it might be that you know he's tomorrow and misses out but they've got good depth on that front aaron finch they've got to dance with the one that brung them don't they i mean i i don't think there's room to to change captain's midstream i get that uh, there'll be an argument for it based on his strike rate the other night. But remember that it was in 50-over cricket that Finch lost his way, not 20-over cricket. And he didn't have a particularly bad lead-up to this tournament. It's that it stood out how badly he was timing the ball last night. And he's mindful of that. You could see the way he was gesticulating when miscuing deliveries, batting with Marcus Stewart. He knows what's going on. But um, you can't, I guess you can't discount the experience he has and that, that importance of leadership in short-form cricket. We saw it with Darren Sammy in 2012 and 2016, when he didn't always look like he was in the best 11, but they always wanted him leading that side. And the same applies for Owen Morgan. The last few years that he was captaining the England white ball team, he probably didn't justify his spot on numbers alone, but um, tactically, he was seen as an asset still. And I think Finch probably fits into that slipstream. As for Pat Cummins, like I've seen the, the speculation from 
from, from some pundits in the last two or three days. But let's not forget that when Australia were trounced by England in this competition last year by 10 wickets, it was the fast bowlers that got them back in the competition. It was Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins. And we all know that they're, they're, they're multi-format class. And sure, Cummins has gone around a bit against New Zealand and Sri Lanka, but I mean, it would take a, a bold move to reconfigure the side that would see someone as good and as quick and as accurate as Pat Cummins sitting on the sidelines. I just can't see it happening. So, in essence, we beat England. Everyone keeps their spot anyway, even if one person fails. We lose to England. It doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, look, it's, it's, it's funny like that, isn't it? Cricket teams and, and uh, winning teams, you often uh, hear a, a captain saying after a winning test match, oh, you can't tinker with a winning side, even if a player hasn't been performing. So, look, I think it'll be that. If they beat England, it'll be right. There was the blip against New Zealand. Um, we found our mojo a little bit against Shrine. We had a pretty good game of cricket um, over in Perth on, on Monday. And if they, or Tuesday, rather. And if they get the job done against England, who remain the one seed in this group, let's remember that. England, for good reason, were the side that looked the most dangerous in Group 1. They, they accounted for Australia fairly comfortably in the series that preceded the World Cup. They would have won 3-0, probably, if not for bad weather in the third of those T20s. So if they beat England, yeah, absolutely, everything's back on track. And if they don't beat England, it'll feel like 1992, I reckon, where um, the home World Cup, Australia lost to New Zealand in the opening match and were bundled out by South Africa at the SCG and then subsequently England as well. So it'll be a misadventure in a home World Cup, just as it was uh, 30 years ago. Who is your favourite, Adam? I think now with India having beaten Pakistan, like, I mean, obviously, it, it's easy to get swept away in what happened on Sunday night, right? Like, it was such a spectacular event at the cricket ground, 90,000 people there, so much riding on it that goes well beyond this tournament against Pakistan. Holding their nerve there, and it was almost more than holding their nerve, it was a Houdini act. And Kohli in form in a major tournament uh, means a tremendous amount. He has been a player who has underperformed on the big stage, not in bilateral cricket, but in, in global tournaments. He had a a very poor World Cup in 2019 by his standards. Uh, they got bundled out in the group stage in this tournament last year. So now without the captaincy, liberated from that captaincy armband, he seems to be finding his best form again. That was a spectacular performance on Sunday from an individual perspective. So given that they're on the other side of the draw as well, it did look the tougher of the groups, but getting over Pakistan in the first game, two more wins in their through to the semifinals, uh, I just sense they, they might have timed their run magnificently. So they win today, beat the Netherlands. Any other chance of an upset? South Africa about to play or just started against Bangladesh and Pakistan, Zimbabwe tonight? Well, I think South Africa are in a tough spot, only on the basis that they've played one game and had the no result down at Bell Reef on Tuesday, which they were... Look, I think they were hard done by. You know, the, the, the way that T20 cricket works is you need a minimum of five overs to constitute a match. But South Africa were already ahead of their five-over total when the rain started in the fourth over. They'd already reached where they needed to be at the end of five overs, if it were me. And the guys that wrote the Duckworth-Lewis-Stern algorithm have argued the same thing in papers they wrote a couple of years ago. So I reckon that might be something that comes to the fore again after their no result against Zimbabwe. But look, Bangladesh have been giant killers in the past, not so much in 20-over World Cups, although they did play well against Netherlands a couple of nights ago at Bell Reef. So this could be a danger game for South Africa, purely because everybody else has played seemingly so much cricket, be it in warm-up games or the qualifiers that were at Geelong and, and Del Reeve last week. The one team that's barely played and only got 12 in on Tuesday is South Africa. So they've got a lot of work to do, even though it feels like we're very deep into this tournament, day 12 today. 
So if Australia beat England and we go through, we keep the same lineup for the next match, do you see a moment at all where Smith comes in? I, I presume if we keep winning, Smith keeps not playing. I think Marcus Dornis uh, might have made that tougher the other night, only yeah. because if you're looking through the Australian lineup and trying to work out where they might make a, a switch, Stoinis, of course, is an all-rounder, but you can see a world where they would have thought, well, we need some more stability in the middle order. We want an anchor. Um, but I suppose that the challenge there is that Finch is effectively playing that anchor role. Gone are the days of Aaron Finch being the guy striking at 150 at the top of the list. That, that's probably not going to happen in this tournament anyway. He seems um, away from that kind of guy that we knew of a few years ago. So, And also, in, in more recent years, Warner's been the anchor too. So can they have three of those? Probably not. It would take, I think, an injury at this stage for Smith to force his way back in. Look, there was some chat on the lead into the tournament that Maxwell out of form. Can you risk it? But the Australian camp were pretty clear that they, they see Glenn Maxwell as the kind of player who can win them a game in about four different ways. Batting conventionally, batting in an unorthodox way. Um, he's useful off spin, which took a wicket the other night at an important juncture against Sri Lanka or in the field. So there's no way they're going to remove their, their best all-round T20 cricketer. So it feels to me like for Smith to get in, it's going to require almost certainly an injury. And if they win, as we said before, I can't see them changing this formulation, especially given most of these guys were in the side that won the World Cup in Dubai this time last year. It's not as though it's a, it's not a tried-and-true group who are going through with a tried-and-true game plan. If anything, it's got kind of last hurrah about this side, doesn't it? I mean, you, you press fast yeah. forward to 2024 and you can easily imagine a scenario where half the team have retired. So, yeah, I, all, all of that bundled in together. I just don't see where Smith squeezes in right at the moment. Now, we all hated Sandpaper Gate, and, I, and I'm in the talkback industry, so, you know, controversy is sometimes good, but I hated that part of it, and it was a really mm. sort of painful time to be a sport broadcaster to navigate through it, let alone those yeah. guys who were in the middle of it. And yet, it feels like I'm more excited for cricket right now, Adam, than I have been for a long, long time. I don't know why. There's a lot of divisive characters playing for Australia. You know, Smith, Warner, Cummins, Finch has divided the audience this week and as much as we love him. <laughs> it is kind of, it's a weird transition time. I reckon we're ready for a massive summer and in some ways it's been a really good start to it, even though we've lost a match we should have won. I absolutely share that view. I mean, I've been covering this Australian side for about seven years full-time now and it feels like there is more interest in it than usual, certainly for October, right? Like usually this time of year, yeah. it's, on, it's on the, it's, it's, it's slowly making its way to the boil, maybe through the Sheffield Shield. They might be playing a, a tour away from home or a white ball tour or something like that. But rarely is, the, is it that cricket is dominating the national conversation in October. And that's what you get out of a World Cup. And of course, five te test matches this summer in the usual way. They're playing a couple against the Windies and, and three against South Africa. And then the home summer continues into India with four test matches as part of the Border Gavaska Trophy. Uh, five test matches in England for the Ashes, probably a World Test Championship final squeezed in before that at the Oval in June. And after that, the 50-over World Cup, seven weeks in India. So it's just this smorgasbord of action across the three formats and an Australian side that is as strong as it's been, certainly in the time I've been covering it. Yeah, look at it as a test side. I know they went one all in Sri Lanka earlier this year, but the way they played in Pakistan the way they towed up England last year at home, I'm really looking forward to seeing the way they um, the way they compete against South Africa's fast bowlers. That'll be a real test in the upcoming summer. And whether they can do the job in both India and in England in quick succession, they've not 
beaten India in India. You've got to go back to 2004. And for beating England in England, they haven't done that since 2001. Now, of course, they, mm. they retained the Ashes in 2019 for the two-all draw. But there are, well, there's an entire generation of Australian cricketers who haven't actually won a series, a test series in England. So there's an enormous amount on the line. And, and we know that even though 58 over cricket can be sometimes the ugly duckling out of the three formats at the moment due to the proliferation of T20 cricket and the, the prestigious associated with an interest engaging with, with Test cricket. But uh, in a 50-over World Cup, as you know, Dwayne, everybody pays a lot of attention to it across those six or seven weeks. So that comes in October and November next year. So, yeah, I think your, your point's spot on that this is a great time with interesting characters, with personalities and narrative that we know well, players who've been around for a really long time, uh, and, and an opportunity to achieve uh, the, the types of things they haven't done as a group uh, for a while, since the glory days of the late 90s and early 2000s. Yes, yeah, so much on the agenda cricket-wise in terms of the schedule, Adam. I better let you rest your voice. Great to have you. Can't wait to hear more of your coverage. We'll talk soon. Cheers, Dwayne. Adam Collins from SEN Cricket. And by the way, you can hear every ball of the World Cup on the SEN app and all the Australian matches on 11-16. SEN, Adam Collins, Gerald Wadley, and the team taking us right through the summer, including that Massive test series. Midday matters for Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Back to your calls. Sammy Edmonds not far away. Kevin Shift the Sheen. Plenty still to come on Dwayne's Well. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Well, you hear him in the mornings, you hear him in the afternoons, you're about to hear him now. You can get a .au domain name, webcentral.au. In fact, you'll hear him on breakfast next week. In fact, he's going to be our summer breakfast man, Sammy Edmund. And he joins us on the long way, be long before he's the ambassador, world ambassador for the Gosney Rock Box. Welcome <laughs> to you, Sam. Great to have you on. Dwayne, great to talk to you. Yeah. Jeez, I wish I was. They are magnificent products. Can I ram that home even further? How you been? <laughs> I've been good. I've been good. Be fun listening to you on breakfast. I'm excited to know that I'm going to be hearing you on breakfast a bit more, which is going to be nice. Yeah, yeah. A bit of a summer schedule for us. Hey, I've been listening to your show. I know you've been speaking a little bit about the draft today. Um, something that, uh, as they say in the classics, came across my desk this week, and certainly a lot of the talk among rival clubs at the moment, Dwayne, who understandably are a little um, sensitive and um, and I guess conscious of Tasmania coming into the competition, which they will be granted entry to in the in the coming weeks. Make no mistake. But what the draft concessions look like now? I think what the other clubs are thinking with Tasmania coming in is that the league might have learned a bit from Gold Coast coming in, GWS coming in, where they were given concessions, but given a massive crack at one singular draft to go nuts. Now, how strong that draft is in any given year is obviously in the lap of the gods, isn't it? So I think a lot of clubs there have the understanding now that instead of having a massive uh, uh, session at one particular draft, the advantages for Tasmania might be spread out over multiple drafts, not to the same degree, of course, but it might just be spread out to perhaps... Um, you know, uh, ease the burden on rival yeah. clubs and but then also to help Tasmania long-term as well. So are we talking three years or four years? Will they get a... I'm, I'm presuming they'll get a big go the year leading into yeah. their first year of entry, but then 
it'll be what they'll continue to get a pick one or an end of first round pick. Yeah, or... I don't know the details, and look, who knows if the details have absolutely been locked in at this stage or how long it will go for. I mean, there's other levers to pull in this space, isn't there? Obviously, extra yeah. salary cap allowance, extra list spots, access to rookies, access to academy players. So there's other things they can do that we've even seen more recently with Gold Coast when they needed a bit of a leg up as well. But I just think rather than have that, um, you know, that all-you-can-eat buffet session, Dwayne, where perhaps the steak can be a little bit chewy from one night to the yeah. next, you get access over multiple drafts. And um, I think that's probably a good way to look at it. Yeah, unless it's the 2001 draft, in which case you <laughs> would have been able to get Hodge, Ball, Judd, yes. Hale, Bartell, uh, Sampy, um, you'd happily be Johnson. Yeah, you'd happily be pigeonholed <laughs> into that draft, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, so the Suns would probably argue, well, the, the GWS draft was better than our draft, for example. So the idea here, I think, is for um, Tasmania to potentially get um, at least a couple of years at it anyway. We'll see how it goes. Dan Hanbury's going to keep playing, is he? Yeah, look, he's weighing it up, Dwayne, at the moment, whereas in in the more recent times, he well, he did shut the door on it because the Gold Coast did ask some six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and he said thanks but no thanks. But just as the weeks have gone on, it's now got to the point where he's at least considering whether to make a, a comeback and to resuscitate this career. He's on holidays in Germany at the moment, but he is taking the opportunity to visit the uh, soft tissue maverick, uh, the name that bobs mm-hmm. up uh, right throughout our footballing season each and every year, Dr. Hans Willem Muller-Wolfart, of course, and he did go to see Healing Hans mid-year, and that was said to be hugely beneficial for Dan Hanabry, and we know he finished the season strongly for the Saints, three Brownlow votes in his last game against his old side, Sydney, in a loss in round 23. So that famed appetite for training's also said to remain with him. But look, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge here from the club and also uh, the player to formalise his decision, Dan Hanabry, and then also for Gold Coast, to have obviously made a lot of list management decisions in those weeks since their initial um, touching base with Dan Hanabry. You know, they're tight for list spots, tight for money, uh, structuring that squad for the arrival of as many as four academy prospects next year. But the door is ajar, Dwayne, and there's a slim chance. And I, I, I love these sort of stories. You know, um, they are the romantic side of the game. He would cost the Suns nothing. He would certainly command nowhere near the wage that he did in his prime at Sydney or even his years at St Kilda. So the free agency, the listed free agency window opens next Thursday. Who knows what sort of avenue he'd take back to the game if he did so. But... Um, I think it's a great thing. Collingwood got a new head of football ops, I understand. Yeah, not the name you would have thought either. Claire Pettifor, who uh, is going to take over as Collingwood's head of football operations. Now, she crosses from Melbourne, where she was the head of uh, media and communications at the Demons, Dwayne. So um, she helped with the club's facilities uh, project, obviously, at Melbourne as well. Uh, The reconciliation plan uh, on the committee there at Melbourne as well. She was at Hawthorne before that and Brisbane before that in communications roles. But this is a a big appointment uh, at the Pies for her. She replaces the former head of football Nick Maxwell, who departed the club earlier this year. Now, Graham Wright will obviously continue to head up the Pies football department across the men's program, the women's program and the like. But uh, this is a big role for Claire Pettifor, who joins our Collingwood. Been in footy a long time yeah. now and uh, great people are great footy people are great footy people. So that's what we've talked about on this program a number of times. You get great people to your club, then success tends to come. So Collingwood's had a pretty good 12 to 15 months, the way it's transpiring at the moment. Hey, uh, easing of veterans back. Collingwood's got a little bit of a, yeah. a new plan on this as well. Well, speaking of good culture, I mean, this isn't unprecedented, but I suppose uh, to this degree and to this late, I reckon, Dwayne, that they're going to protect their ageing stars ahead of a new season, which, as we spoke about uh, on your show yesterday, is going to start a week earlier and also have an extra game attached to it as well. Now, the Pies have extended, and it's just an invitation at this point. They don't have to accept it, but for Jeremy Howe, steel side bottom at Scott 
at Scott Pedalbury, the captain, to not return for official duties at the club until mid-January if they choose. Now, um, they're already training away from the club. We know that. And in fact, Jeremy Howe's been in at the club several times as well. But I think the expectation is they might come and go as they please over the coming months. Sidebottom's 32, played every game last season, mind you. Pendlebury missed one game, 35 in January. And Howe just missed the one match as well. But I like it. I think we're going to see a lot more of it too, Dwayne, as well in regards to the gruelling nature of the season, safeguarding the veterans uh, as best as clubs can. And we saw how well Geelong did it, didn't we, this year in regards to that man management. And uh, and, and they were just uh, at pains right throughout the year not to overload their elder statesmen. So um, uber professionals, all three of those guys, aren't they? So I, I like it. You've been watching a bit of NBA, have you? I have. Brooklyn Nets, one and four now, Dwayne. This is uh, this is getting some headlines and some traction over in the States. Now, the loss to the Bucks this morning are a, a quality club. We know that. But all eyes on Ben Simmons again as he continues to try to, I guess, reestablish himself following those injury struggles in recent seasons. So four points. Two or seven from the field. Uh, 0-2 from the foul line. He did have the nine assists and five rebounds. But Kyrie Irving, well, he defended the Aussie after the game, Dwayne. But as you're about to hear, in-game, he appeared to lose his patience when he demanded that Ben Simmons just start shooting the ball. That's out and running. Irving. Simmons didn't even look at the basket. So big loud shooter Ben there that was caught up by the <laughs> caught by the microphones, Dwight, as well. So uh, that's a watch this space as well. But he's been out of the game for so long, just easing his way back into it. And the Lakers still haven't won a game tied 54-54 with the Nuggets at halftime at the moment. Yeah, it's a different world in the NBA. And uh, the Ben Simmons story is one that uh, unfortunately keeps on giving in the direction that it's giving. Um, and it would be remiss of us not to talk about the fairy tale that happened in the water netball. This was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, Australia's Indigenous netballer, Danelle Wallam, who's been in the news for reasons that she certainly wouldn't have liked. She became the unwitting face, of course, of Hancock Prospecting's decision to tear up that $15 million deal with the sport after she objected to wearing the logo of the company, of course, because of those comments made by uh, Hancock's founder and Gina Reinhart's uh, late father, Lang Hancock, about sterilising Indigenous Aussies in the 1980s. So last night against England, on debut, we might add as well. Wallam comes off the bench, Dwayne. Eight from eight shots, clutch. And then when the game was destined for extra time, she struck with the winner right at the death. Uh, the Diamonds beating England 55-54. The crowd went absolutely nuts. And a, a pure scriptwriter's dream, this one. And um, she was pretty emotional in the aftermath, as you can understand. We'll have a little listen. Now it's back to Australia. Weston, she finds proud. Wallam to win it for Australia! Could you have written that if you tried? Danelle Wallam on debut, cheered on by a sold-out crowd. In the eyes of some, she's cost Australian netball millions. In the eyes of others, she's just won them a test. Pretty amazing last night, Dwayne. Uh, great scenes there. And that literally was pandemonium. I was watching that. It was um, a, a big response from the crowd there that were packed in. A little bit of interesting commentary as well, thrown in yeah. to uh, add to the fire. Hey, great to have you, Sammy. Can't wait to hear you on board. Well, you'll be on tomorrow, so I'll hear you tomorrow, and then you'll be on breakfast next week. So we'll talk soon. Good on you, Dwayne. Cheers, mate. Sammy, you've been joining us. Ditch the .com and get a .au domain name from webcentral.au. Kevin Shifter-Sheehan, still to come, lost in the wash, still to come as well. Quick break for Newsday. <laughs> Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. A couple of texts that have come through on the 40 Winks Temper text, T-E-M-P-U-R, mattresses and pillows like no other. You can get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious 
about sleep. Uh, if Tassie come to the league, what's the actual name of the club? Well, I presume it'll be the Tassie Devils myself, and I presume it'll be the traditional Tasmanian jumper um, with Tassie on the front and green, but uh, well, I could be wrong. Geelong have had their older players come back post-Christmas for years. Travis, yeah, they have, and Geelong hasn't sort of made a big deal about it. Collingwood's probably not making a big deal about it either, but uh, Sammy Edmonds a great journo, and these things don't get known until sometimes a journo uncovers the story. So the fact that Collingwood are deciding to do it is a bit of a story off the back of the fact that it's worked pretty well for, I reckon, probably a couple of other teams, but Geelong especially have allowed their senior players to manage themselves a bit more. Um, had a couple of texts, one earlier on about the Bombers and paying for teams like the Saints, and I was a little defensive backing up the Saints and their right to get a hand out and be helped. Uh, hi, Dwayne, in regards to the poor Bombers getting no help call, they are mid-table for handouts from the AFL variable funding model from 2012 to 2021, receiving the 10th most, according to Nick. Um, and uh, good on Essendon for being a big club. They've received plenty of help. Um, thanks for that, Nick. I appreciate your text. Um, the AFL should be paying St Kilda. For multiple years, they had the most people through Docklands Gates and made no money because the AFL gave them a terrible stadium deal. Um, they got a lot of fans, the Saints. What are you going to do? You're going to kick the Saints out of the comp? I mean, the Saints have got fans everywhere. Uh, they are a sleeping giant. Last thing we want is for a team full of fans to be sent from the competition, not just the team itself. So the St Kilda's got to live in this competition forever. Now, Melbourne's getting bigger. It can sustain all the clubs. Um, North Melbourne don't have to move. I'm glad that talk's stopped now. Uh, another one here, though. Actually, we should be kicking the Saints out of the comp. Along with the Dogs and North, it's laughable that the competition has so many virtually insolvent clubs. Uh, oversaturated market in Melbourne. Yeah, I, I disagree with all of that. I think it's been, it's been great that the competition we've got now has grown through the brilliance of so many clubs through the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s who had ups and downs, had their ups, had their downs. Now, a lot of teams haven't had anywhere near as many ups, but they helped create what we've got now. That was where it was all born from, what we've got now, the national comp. So... This comp's pretty vibrant with 18 teams, and I think we can continue to go on in our search for 20. We need to take a break, though. Kevin Shifter Sheehan to join us straight after this. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. It's been great to have you company today for Dwayne Talk. We've been talking a lot about the draft, the upcoming draft, and what happened in the trade period. Took plenty of your calls on it and your texts on it. Let's get the expert on it. Kevin Chifter-Sheehan has been good enough to join us. Been a long-time AFL talent manager, and uh, he's looked after this trade world and this draft period for a long, long time. He's seen some of the great ones come, and he's probably about to see another great batch come through as well. Who will North take, though, if they don't want Aaron Cabman and they won't get Will Ashcroft? What's up for grabs medium forward-wise? Well, Kevin Shifter-Sheehan has got the rundown. Welcome to you, Shifter. Great to have you back on. Dwayne, thanks for having me. Yeah, an exciting group of uh, medium forwards we've got uh, on our list this week. So talk me through it, because I've seen one game. I saw the Vic Country, Vic Metro game where, you know, guys like Harry Sheezel look like they're going to be great forwards, but I've seen one game. You've seen a lot more than that, and the recruiters have seen... A lot more than that. Uh, this medium forward area 
is is the kind of area that if you get right, you can change your whole world. Oh, geez, we want goals, don't we? In our game yep. today, we want exciting, mercurial type of players. We don't know Stevie J or something like that that mm. really can set us on fire as uh, as fans of the game. And one guy that is, uh, well, suggesting he might well be that is Harry Sheasel. You mentioned his name there. Uh, he's a magician up forward. He kicked, so the year, 49 goals. That's across uh, 19 matches when you count all of the rep games as well as the NAB League. And uh, I enjoyed watching him play. Uh, I would have seen him probably eight or ten times at least. And uh, he entertained us. Uh, he looks an exceptional talent. He's a boy of about 185, so six foot one in the old language. And... Uh, uh, yeah, does special things. There's something out of nothing stuff and uh, boomerangs. He'll do all of those. He's got all the tricks in the world. And he's actually a boy from uh, uh, a Jewish boy from uh, from Ajax Football Club uh, at Mount Scopus at school. And uh, he, he looks like being a real, uh, I suppose, a poster boy for the Jewish community. They, they've followed him already. I was at a match there during the year. A little kid come up. He's probably 11 or 12. And he said, what do you think of Harry Sheasel? I said, uh, is he related to you? He said, no, he goes to our school. He said, he's a, I want to know whether you think he's going to get drafted. I think what I've seen so far, he will, young fella. So he's already got his own following. And um, yeah, he's, he's certainly a contender very, very early in the draft, right up there in that top half a dozen. Yeah, we expect North Melbourne to take him. So the other contenders, if they don't take Sheasel, and um, they do have picks two and three. So Essendon would pick four, might be the, the interesting one. Um, you've got Wardlaw, you've got Sardis, you've got a couple of others. Bailey Humphrey's been talked about a bit as well. Yeah, no, look, he looks a first rounder, that young fella, Bailey Humphrey, a boy from Gippsland Power. That, uh, well, he, he missed the majority of the national championships. Uh, you, you sent him play in his only game of the nationals, that Vic Country versus Vic Metro game, injured in the middle of the year, but had such a dominant year. He still ran third in the Morrish medal for the best and fairest in the, in the NAB League and was dominant early in that game against Metro. And, in fact, just offline, he kicked about 1-3. He could have blown the game apart. So you've seen all these talents on display there. A mercurial type of forward, but he'll get in the midfield and win it at stoppage and give you a drive through there. So he, he looks their most talented, draftable player from down in Gippsland. They had a great year. They're up in the top uh, four teams on top of the ladder for a lot of the year. Uh, and uh, he, he was certainly uh, the, the most prominent player for him. He's a boy from Moey down in the Moe area, which has been, you know, the whole Gippsland area has been a wonderful uh, spot for, for AFL talent for, for 50 years. And uh, he looks like the best of them this year, but there'll be a few others with him. So we've talked a lot about the top end of the draft. You know, Giants have picked one, North picks two and three, Essendon pick four. Um, what about a little lower down when we get to, well, St Kilda pick nine, Carlton pick 10, Bulldogs pick 11. What medium forwards might be available to those teams as well? even though the Bulldogs might not necessarily want a medium forward, but a good forward's hard to pass up. They are. Well, I think the ones we've mentioned have been at the top end of it, uh, if you're talking first round. Uh, Mm. The dilemma for many of the clubs is going to be a kid called Braden George. He would have been in this bracket, a first rounder, had he not hurt his ACL just before around the wild card round at the end of the year. It took the marker that was one of the marks of the year and then fell. So so the, the, high, the highs and the lows all in the one passage apply as he did his ACL. So I still think he's a very good chance to get taken as someone sort of says, well, he, he'll be back in a year. We can't overlook him. So um, we hope for him, a boy from the Murray Bushies, uh, young uh, Braden George, that... Uh, uh, excited, kicked a bag of six and a five early in the year in the first in the first five rounds of the year. 
So started on fire. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'd be later on someone just sees that talent and is, is prepared to invest in his rehab and, and look after him over the next 12 months as he recovers. Um, a very late one that uh, you talked about North there before. Cooper Harvey, you might notice, sort of yes. there, the son of Boomer. Um, he is, uh, we'll put him in amongst the, the medium-sized forwards. He'll push into the midfield. Um, again, had injuries during the year, but again, bobbed up in that game that you watch the country versus Metro game. His only national championship game because of those injuries mid-year had an elbow injury. Um, he's up at Assumption College, that wonderful, mm. uh, productive uh, school up there for footballers for, well, 70 or 80 years, I suppose, maybe maybe longer, uh, young Cooper. But, yeah, I, I think he gets picked up by North um, late, uh, certainly as a rookie at, at, at the worst. Uh, and that's because we've only seen him eight or ten times this year with, with those injuries. But uh, he had some classy games for the Northern Knights and certainly had an impact in that game uh, that he took... Uh, well, he set up the goal that put him in front, uh, Metro, and then he took a terrific mark in the square to, to seal the match, to put him uh, just over a goal up right in the siren. Uh, but he had some other great moments in that second half as well. So I think he'll get his opportunity, uh, and uh, the North supporters will be pretty excited to see him in, the, uh, in their colours. Kevin, great to have a chat to you. If people want to read more about the medium forwards in this year's draft, you can jump on the AFL website, Kevin Sheehan's full list of medium forwards is on that website, so you can check it all out at afl.com. Great to have you, Kevin, and we'll talk again next week. Cheers, Wayne. Thanks for having us. All the best. Kevin Shifter-Sheehan for his weekly spot. Dwayne's board for Kogan Mobile. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile. And for Brick Lane Brewing for lovers and makers of great beer. Back to wrap it all up next. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Switch to Kogan Mobile for $2.90 for 30 days with 20 gig of data. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.